Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Hello, you fans. Welcome in. This is the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by kslsports.com, and I'm your host and Utes insider, Trevor Allen. Man, it is nice to be able to just talk about football. We don't have to talk about a pandemic. We don't have to talk about things being postponed, canceled, moved, to where it just breaks our heart. Because guess what, folks? Unless you've been living under a rock, you already know this. Pac-12 and Utah football is back. November 6th or 7th is when the Utes will open up the 2020 season. Opponents are to be determined. Game times are to be determined. The schedule should be released around Saturday, is according to Kyle Whittingham when he met with the media earlier. And by the way, you'll hear from Kyle Whittingham as well as Brant Keithy and Devin Lloyd coming up in the next segment as they met with the media on Thursday. And there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about regarding Kyle Whittingham's availability, but then also a couple of other stories that are out there. Uh, First, let's hit the recruiting trail as Utah over the weekend picked up two commitments in their 2021 class. The first one came on Saturday when athlete Veltre Jefferson committed to the Utes. He's 6'4", 230-pound athlete from Edison High School in Fresno, California. He is a three-star athlete, according to 24-7 Sports, and is the 48th-ranked athlete in the country and the number 67 recruit in the state of California. This is a big get. He listed his top eight before he announced, and it was Arizona State, Washington, Colorado, Fresno State, Utah, USC, along with Arizona and Tennessee. But he chose Utah. His offers included... USC, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Fresno State, Liberty, Nevada, New Mexico, Northern Arizona, San Jose State, Tennessee, Washington, and Washington State. And Utah defensive coordinator Morgan Scally was Jefferson's primary recruiter. That now made it 10 Utes to join in the 2021 class. And then on Sunday, Kyle Whittingham and his program picked up another recruit, this time in three-star safety, Darian Stewart. He is from Nevada, announced his, his commitment on Instagram Live on Sunday, saying that he's 100% committed to the Utes. He's six foot two, 190 pounds, out of Desert Pine High School in Las Vegas, Nevada. And he is a three-star prospect, according to 24-7 Sports, the eighth best player in the state of Nevada. And again, Morgan Scally was the primary guy to recruit him. As well as getting offers from the Utes, Stewart had offers from Boise State, Colorado State, Fresno State, Hawaii, Nevada, Northern Colorado, San Diego State, UCLA, UNLV, Utah State, Washington State, and West Virginia. That's now 11 players that have verbally committed to play for the Utes beginning in 2021. Then a couple of other news and notes, uh, just a little quick little tidbit. Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott asked the uh, College Football Playoff Committee if they would be willing to expand the playoff for this season just because not every team is going to be 
playing the same amount of games. And so he asked them to do that, and the committee said no. And also, a big congratulations to former U Kyle Kuzma, who is playing in the NBA Finals. He was a part of the Lakers' Game 1 win over the Miami Heat on Wednesday night. Game 2 of the NBA Finals will be on Friday on ABC at 7 o'clock Mountain Time. And Kuzma's trying to become the first Ute since Andrew Bogut to win an NBA championship. And then just scrolling up some other news and notes. CBS Sports' Jerry Palm, which I'm sure a lot of you have probably heard of him as far as bracketology for CBS Sports in NCAA basketball. He uh, has predicted the Utes to play in the Holiday Bowl. And if that's the case, that would be the second time Utah would play in the Holiday Bowl and it would also be the second time that they would play Pittsburgh, which is the opponent that Palm has. The last time the Panthers and Utes met in a bowl game, you all know this, 2004 in the Fiesta Bowl. But the first time that Utah played in the Holiday Bowl, you also should know this too, was in 2018 when they faced Northwestern and they lost 31-20. to But there's eight teams projected to go bowling, according to Palm. Oregon against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl, which is one of the college football playoff semifinals. USC and Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl, Arizona State, Iowa State in the Alamo Bowl, Washington and Oklahoma State in the Sun Bowl, Stanford and Army in the Independence Bowl, California and LSU in the Las Vegas Bowl, and UCLA and Nevada in the Los Angeles Bowl, which is at SoFi Stadium, which I would not mind playing in that bowl game. That's a beautiful stadium. Some schedule talk. When Mark Harlan met with the media last week following the announcement, that the Pac-12 was going to resume play beginning November 6th and 7th for football, he told us that we know five opponents and we know where they're going to be played at. So what we do know is that every South Division team will play the Utes. And then one crossover game, so Utah will then have one game against a team from the North Division. So that could be Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Cal or Stanford. That seventh game is similar to what the Big Ten's doing in their regular season finale, which should be no one's surprise at all, that it's the number one seeds from each division are going to play against each other, followed by the number two seeds playing against each other, number threes, and so on and so forth as you go down. So what we do know is that Utah will host Arizona and USC. And we know that they will travel to Arizona State, they will travel to UCLA, and they will travel to Colorado. Now the one crossover game from what Mark Harlan said in their meetings is that they don't want that to impact the 2021 scheduling format. Which means you could be putting a team in there that you were not originally scheduled to play in 2020. Which for Utah that would be either Oregon or Stanford. And there is some rumors out there that to get Oregon a quality opponent from the uh, South Division to help their playoff resume, that Utah or Arizona State would be quality opponents. Which I don't know, you fans, how you guys would take it. I take it as a, a compliment, but you can also take it as an insult because then they're thinking, okay, well, we're quality enough, but we're not good enough to beat them is what they're looking at it as. And this is not any kind of reports from within the conference. This is from people who are just covering the conference just like I do. But if you go over to kslsports.com, I listed pros and cons for Utah playing Oregon in the crossover game. Some pros. Playing at home. Now, it's always great to play at home. Sleep in your own bed, normally. I think get a, a bunch of hotel rooms, even if they're at home. But during the pandemic, I don't know how that's going to work. But it's always good to play at home. The problem is you're not going to have fans. So that's one thing. Just not having to travel is a is a big plus, especially when you're playing a team that has to travel. And then I mentioned the other pro that the league looks at Utah as a quality team. And then it this could be a great test for the young players. It, it's been mentioned many, many times on this podcast and everywhere else how young Utah is. They have a ton of freshmen. They have a ton of sophomores. They have a bunch of new starters coming in that did not start games last year, it's going to be a very young team. This is a good test for them. I would not recommend, though, it would not be ideal to schedule Oregon in the opener if this was to happen. Again, this is all if. We'll know Saturday who that crossover game is. And then also, many key Oregon players have opted out for this season. 
And even though the Pac-12 announced that they were going to be playing, those players have not opted back in, at least as of when I, when I taped this podcast, which is on October 1st in the afternoon. Three big players have opted out. The first one is Panay Sewell, offensive lineman, former Desert Hills star, former Outland Trophy winner from last year. He opted out, and he's going into the NFL. He'll probably be a top three pick in the upcoming draft. And he was going to be the only starter coming back from last year's Oregon offensive lineman that went on to win the Rose Bowl and the Pac-12 championship. So it was going to be a really young offensive line group. But Sewell's gone. And then you have a couple of DBs. Thomas Graham, he announced on the 10th of September that he is going to declare for the NFL draft, as well as probably one of the best DBs on the West Coast in Javon Holland. He has also opted out. Now some cons. History against Oregon is not on their side. Since the Utes have joined the Pac-12 in 2011, they have beat the Ducks just twice. The first time was in 2015 when they went up there and smacked them 62-20. to And the last win over them was in 2018 when Jason Shelley was the starting quarterback and they won by seven points at home. Utah is 1-2 at home against the Ducks. And then Oregon is very good. Despite losing quarterback Justin Herbert, their O-line, basically, and four starters on defense, the Ducks are in good hands because they have one of the top recruiting classes in 2020, and it's looking that way in 2021. Um, I know that a lot of you fans will not be thrilled to see C.J. Verdell at running back if these two collide at Rice-Eccles Stadium because Verdell went off for 208 rushing yards and three touchdowns in the Pac-12 championship, and he was named the MVP. Another con is that this impacts Utah's conference record. If Utah wants to make it to their third consecutive Pac-12 championship game, this is a game you're going to have to win if this is your, your crossover game. But if you lose, yeah, it's okay for your resume, especially if you don't get dominated, but it's going to impact you more especially because you don't have a lot of games to get in to try and build that resume. And then the final thing is the obvious one, the no fans in the stands. It's going to be weird. You're going to hear comments about that coming up when I play the audio of Brant Keithy, Devin Lloyd, and Kyle Whittingham. And then two more things before we take a break. The Pac-12 partners with Fulgent Genetics to provide RT-PCR testing capabilities. Now, what, if you don't know that, the partnership with Fulgent Genetics will provide reverse transcription polymerase chain reaction testing capabilities to supplement existing PCR and antigen to the PAC-12's partnership with Quidel Corporations, which provides rapid testing result capabilities. So basically, this just helps the uh, testing process and makes it even better for the student-athletes. And then the final thing, and you're going to hear this, but I'm going to go more in depth on what Kyle Whittingham said. He was asked about some of the objectives that Kyle Whittingham wants to accomplish during training camp, and Kyle listed five of them. I'll list them off, and then I'll kind of dive into each one here. Uh, The first one is to get a starting quarterback named. Second one is to rebuild the defensive secondary. Number three, get a starting running back named. Uh, Number four, find defensive line pieces. Five fine linebackers to play with Devin Lloyd. And then he also mentioned some of the position groups that he is excited about. The offensive line, wide receivers, and tight ends. The first one. We'll just address that. Get a starting quarterback named. What you'll hear Kyle Whittingham say in our next segment is that he wants to try and get the quarterback named pretty quick. He's going to start with camp with three quarterbacks. Drew Lisk, Cam Rising, Jake Bentley. He's hoping to go about a week with them sharing reps with the ones, and then narrowing the list down to two, which, if I were to guess, it would be down to Cam Rising and Jake Bentley. And then about a week after that, he wants to name his starter, which I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess here, just straight prediction, straight guessing, nothing I've heard, Jake Bentley will be the starting quarterback. So that is the first thing, and he wants to get it quick because he wants to spend probably the next two weeks of camp getting that starter reps with the ones, all the reps. And then the running backs. Obviously, you're having to replace Zach Moss, which is no easy task when you have to replace somebody who 
basically broke all of your rushing records. Kyle said that there were three or four candidates. I think there's there's five in there that could be the lead running back. And again, I've talked about this uh, prior in prior podcasts. I think that it's going to be a running back by committee. But Kyle didn't mention names, but we do know Devin Brumfield, Jordan Wilmore, and T.J. Green are among those three. And then the potentially fourth is Ty Jordan or Mackay Bernard. I think it's going to come down to Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore, and I think that they're going to be splitting the reps. And then finding D-line pieces, it's not going to be that hard because, I mean, although you did lose three of your four top D-linemen from a year ago, and they were one of the best in the entire country, Bradley and I, John Penasini, Lecky Foto, all gone. But you do have Mika Tafua and, and Max Tupai. They were splitting the reps last year at the end opposite of Bradley and I, so now they'll just each take an edge. But then you have to fill the tackle spots. But Vianney Moala, Fua Putatau, both of those guys have a lot of experience. So does Pita Tonga. And then you also have a couple of new guys coming in. You have Aliki Viamahi, who is coming off of a mission, and Tanoa Togiai, who was a part of that 2020 class. And then find linebackers to play with Devin Lloyd. Obviously, when you lose a guy like Francis Bernard, they were that one-two punch for the Utes, that linebacker. And usually when you when you play a nickel-based defense, you only have two linebackers. And so when you have those, it, it makes everything click. There probably are going to be more times than not, especially with such a young secondary, that Utah is going to go back to the 4-3. I know that they would normally switch between nickel and 4-3 defense. I would have to guess that at least for the first few games, you're going to go 4-3 and go to nickel every now and then, rather than mainly nickel and a little bit of, and then sprinkling in a little bit of, of the four three defense. So you got to find that other linebacker to play alongside Devin Lloyd. Some names out there: Andrew Mataafa, Hayden Fury, Sioni Fotu, Nephi Sewell, and JUCO transfer Jeremy Mercier. Those are some guys who can come in and contribute. I would guess it would be Nephi Sewell or Andrew Mataafa. I would guess would be the two other linebackers alongside Devin. And then I would guess that, and again, I'm just predicting here, I think Nephi Sewell will move into that starter role if they go two linebacker set. So those are the things that Kyle Whittingham considered his laundry list. And then some of the position groups he's, he's really excited about, the offensive line. He said that it's one of the most talented and deep position groups that they've ever had at that position he also thinks that obviously the wide receivers and the tight ends are as well so you have one guy gone in Darren Paulo from last year and that was a young O-line and for the most part they weren't really challenged last year as you guys know the offense was able to do whatever they want Zach Moss could run as much as he wanted Tyler Huntley had time in the pocket to make throws and he was very effective throwing the football and it and it just opened things up but then they got into the game against Oregon where they went up against a really good D-line and they got exposed. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, sprinkle fairy dust on that. They got exposed. And same with Texas in the Alamo Bowl. They got exposed. But now these guys are back a year older, a year wiser, a lot more experience. Nick Ford, Orlando Umana are obviously your two leaders on that O-line. Braden Daniels and Simi Moala are both back. Simi Moala is a guy who switched over from D-line to O-line and is now playing really well at that right tackle spot. And then you have guys like Bamadel Olaseni, Keaton Bills, Alex Harrison, London Bartholomew, among others, that could factor into getting reps. Who takes one of the guard positions? I'm going to guess that at left tackle is going to be Nick Ford. I think Keaton Bills is going to be at left guard because he's just a beast. You fans are going to love him. And then you have Orlando Mon at center, Braden Daniels at right guard, and Simi Mawala at right tackle. But I think Bam is going to back up both Simi and Nick Ford, getting them some breathers. And then yeah, I think you have Alex Harrison, who's been working really the kid out of Viewmont. And then London Bartholomew, who was just given a scholarship over, over the offseason. So that's the O-line group. And then the wide receivers. Damari Simpkins and Derek Vickers were the only ones who left from, from that group last year which leaves Brian Thompson, Saul Meninas, Samson Nakua, Jalen Dixon, and Britton Covey. And Britton Covey, if you guys have seen some of the interviews he's done, he feels like he's faster than he's ever been, which is huge 
He's going to be a dynamic weapon for Utah. And then you also have Devon Vele, Connor O'Toole, and Money Parks. Um, O'Toole and Parks are both 2020 commits or signees. Um, Connor was actually a he was actually recruited as a tight end, but is listed as a wide receiver. So plenty of weapons for whoever the starting quarterback is. And then finally, the tight ends. After a breakout season in 2019, Brent Keithy has given Utah the best tight end group in the conference. Paired up with Cole Fotheringham, Utah's in great shape as far as the tight end position goes. Um, some other guys who could factor in, Thomas Yasmin, Ali'i Niamatololo, and Mufi Hill Hunt. Now, Hill Hunt, he was originally played at Michigan State, then transferred to Utah, and was playing D-line. Now he's switching over to tight end. And Kyle Whittingham also said that Tennessee Pututau was getting some reps at tight end just to see how he looked. So that's the laundry list. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, you'll hear from head coach Kyle Whittingham, tight end Brant Keithy, and linebacker Devin Lloyd. You're listening to the Crimson Corner Podcast. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back in Crimson Corner Podcast, powered by KSLSports.com. Host and Utes Insider Trevor Allen here with you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We're going to go back to doing two podcasts a week as we get into the football season. I'll drop another podcast on Saturday when the schedule's released as we break it down and what what that schedule looks like, that seven-game slate. But now I'm going to let you guys hear from Kyle Whittingham, who spoke to the media for the first time since the Pac-12 announced that they are going to resume the football season in November. First of all, we're obviously elated that uh, we have a, a season to play and that we were, uh, you know, we're anticipating a, a six-game schedule with a seventh game uh, that will be uh, determined at a later time. Um, you know, our, our players were excited about it. Uh, they've been working hard and uh, really done a great job through this uncertain period of time that we've been in and, and really not knowing much uh, about whether or not we we're going to play for several months. And uh, they uh, handled that just right. And uh, it's, uh, you know, we've got a, a group that's very eager to get going and get, get uh, put the pads back on. I mean, it's been almost a, you know, a, a year since we've had any real contact and we had a tiny bit in spring one day, but, but uh, you know, we, we need to get, get going again. And so we will, uh, you know, look forward to starting camp with the equivalent of fall camp uh, next Friday, week from tomorrow and uh, get back out and get going. So uh, just, you know, like I said, can't uh, tell you how excited we are to, to finally be able to, to uh, have a, a season to look to. And, and uh, you know, we don't know our opponents yet, uh, what order uh, or any of that type of stuff, but uh, we should find that out hopefully on Saturday. So, questions. Hey, Coach, uh, thanks for doing this. Just kind of want to see if, 
you can get more into detail about the uh, the practice schedule. You said a week from Friday. Is that all? Is that going to be enough time? And kind of treat it like a like a normal training camp, even though it is a an abbreviated season. Is that enough time? You think to get everything ready? I think so, particularly with the the, the fact that we've had uh, several months uh, where we've been able to get some things done on the field. We haven't been, you know, in any contact situations or anything like that. But at least we've been on the field and and uh, doing skill instruction and uh, fundamental and technique work. And so I'm, I'm confident that uh, our guys will be adequately prepared. Now, you know, how we play is anybody's best guess, but, but as far as the preparation time, uh, I think it's uh, more than adequate for, for what we've had. Now, I know a lot of schools in the Pac-12 have not had as much opportunity to uh, spend time with their players in the weight room, in the meeting room, on the field as we have. You know, there's been a handful. I think it's about 50-50. I think about half the schools have been able to do, you know, similar uh, routine to us, and then uh, probably half the schools have had very limited access. So, so uh, you know, as far as our own situation, we feel like uh, we're in a good spot right now. Hi, Kyle. Um, just to kind of follow up on what Dana said in terms of uh, practice schedule, timetables, things like that, when do you expect to have the quarterback situation kind of straightened out and have at least – at least some real idea of, of who you would like to start in the opener. Well, sooner rather than later, obviously that would be a, you know, the sooner it happens, the the more ideal uh, for us as far as naming a, a guy and letting him get all the reps with the ones. But uh, more importantly than that is getting the right guy named. And so it's going to be a, a three man race going in. Uh, we've got to quickly narrow that down to two. And uh, when I say quickly, uh, within a week, uh, hopefully, uh, I'm not going to pin myself to an exact timetable, but that would be what I would uh, guess guess going into it. And then uh, after that, you know, a week or so after that, uh, narrow it down to one and then have a pecking order and, and be able to, to uh, you know, divvy out the reps accordingly. But uh, going in, it's going to be Drew Lisk and, and Cam Rising and Jake Bentley, all three on, you know, equal ground and equal footing and, and getting the same amount of reps until we can get it to two. And then uh, when we get it to one, then, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll give the majority of the reps to, to whoever that guy is. How are you going to handle live hitting and scrimmaging during the, this fall camp? That's a great question because that's, that's you know, something that uh, we haven't done for almost a year, like I said. Um, first of all, uh, you know, as per NC2A rules, we won't be able to do any hitting the first couple of days of camp. Those are, those are non-padded days. So Friday and Saturday of next week will be, uh, uh, non-contact practices. Uh, then the following week, we get to put the uppers on the, the shoulder pads, uh, for two days. And then we go to full gear that fifth day. And so we've got to be smart about how we do it. Um, you don't want to go into the season underprepared. There's a sweet spot that we're going to try to try to hit. And it's, it's no different this year than any year, other than it's been an extended period of time that we haven't had contact this particular year. But but uh, we've got to monitor that closely. We feel like we need to get at least two full scrimmages in uh, prior to playing in, in the first ball game. Those will probably occur on Saturdays, probably uh, three weeks out from the game, and then two weeks out from the game would be those two scrimmages. That's the the best indication I can give you right now. And then along with that, uh, during the course, uh, you know, interspersed throughout practices, uh, some live sessions there as well. So those scrimmages won't be the only live work we have, but uh, we've got we've to make sure we don't overdo it, And but you got to make sure you're ready. I mean, if you go into a game not ready to play uh, from a physical standpoint, that's that's not a good thing. Yeah, Coach, I just wanted to get your feel on what the last week or so has been like since the announcement came and as you guys are getting ready for camp. Well, it's been, uh, you know, business as usual. We, we obviously were, were excited, as I mentioned in the opening statement, that we have some some direction now and we'll have even more clarity on Saturday when we get the exact schedule and who we're playing in what order. But uh, we've been going at it for, for several months now. Uh, what we did is we gave the players uh, about four days off um, you know, to kind of rejuvenate themselves and, and get ready. You can't, you gotta, there's a, there's a fine line there of diminishing returns when you, when you work too hard, too long. And so, uh, we feel like they're coming back, ready to get back on the field tomorrow. And, uh, we'll go tomorrow and Saturday, and then we'll go a couple times next week prior to, uh, the starting of fall camp. And then of course, when fall camp starts, it becomes pretty regular we're on the field every day. Uh, but, uh, 
it's you know we're we're, we're excited to get going and and uh, our, our coaches are excited and we're you know we're really looking forward to uh, Saturday when we get the exact schedule put in front of us and and really start to uh, start game planning and and uh, scouting the opponent and that type of thing. Hey Kyle, I'm curious. Do you have the same objectives now that you had going into spring, or is this crazy summer and the fact you've been able to do some things kind of changed what you're going into camp? What the main objectives are, and then also, what are the main objective, objectives? <laughs> I say that three times fast. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we we have the same objectives as we had in spring, as far as. Uh, you know, probably the, the, the top priority is getting a quarterback named and, and getting that thing sorted out. Uh, close second is the secondary. We have five brand new faces back there. As far as the guys that are going to be playing, we lost the entire secondary and, and that's a complete rebuild. And, and that's, uh, you know, obviously a critical aspect of, of, uh, of your defensive structure is being able to, you know, get that secondary together. Um, but we do have a lot of positive things going for us. I mean, our offensive line, we feel is going to be as talented and as deep as it ever has been in the wide receivers and tight ends as well. Uh, we've got to get a, a running back named. Uh, we've got three or four candidates to, to be the lead running back. And right now uh, we don't know who that's going to be uh, defensive line. We got some guys to replace, but we've got some really good guys in the program coming up through the ranks. So we got a pretty good idea who those replacements are going to be. And then, and then linebacker, we got to find guys to play uh, alongside Devin Lloyd because we lost Francis and, and uh, you know who was so effective for us last year. So we got a, a whole laundry list of things that we got to get accomplished. But the the headliner would be the quarterback and the and the secondary, in my opinion. So Kyle, you've got uh, stuff to worry about off the field you never had to worry about before. I'm I'm wondering how much you've been able to uh, help guys organize their lives so that your your players are as close to 100% online as possible, so they're not exposed in classrooms and how much you've been able to move guys maybe into their own living space or minimize roommates so you have less issue with contact tracing. Have you been spending a lot of time on that, and how has it played out? Yes, we have, and I think our, our medical staff here has done as good a job as could possibly have been done uh, getting that all, uh, the protocols put in place and and uh, the testing structure, and, and uh, I think we're probably uh, one of the better schools in the country. I don't have any data to back that up, but as far as, uh, you know, the the – the positive tests for COVID have been way down and, and we've, uh, I think we've done an outstanding job with that. And, and you're right. It's, you know, we gotta, you gotta consider everything factor, everything in who the guys live with, who they're around, who they eat with, where their locker is, you know, where they sit in the position meeting room. I mean, it's all gotta be choreographed as best you can. Uh, also on top of that, these guys have a lot more free time than they've ever had with, with uh, online classes and not being, tied to a structure and a routine of when you got to show up for class and, and that type of thing. There's a lot more free time and you got to make sure that they handle that the right way and, and you know, put themselves in, uh, in good situations and stay out of bad situations, uh, you know, not only with COVID, but with everything else uh, that's out there. And so uh, I think our guys have handled themselves very well. We're not perfect, but uh, I think we've done a good job and it's been a challenge because uh, like you said, this is, these are things that we've never had to deal with before. And, and uh, at least not to this extent. And uh, I think we've handled it about as well as we could have so far. Hey, Kyle, with obviously not having spring and then a delayed start to the season, is there any, like, is there any differences in how you will have to approach a fall camp than you probably have traditionally had to, considering that you just, you just haven't gotten in those reps and the install hasn't necessarily um, been kind of what your general regiment has been? Yeah, we've had a lot of time in meetings to, to install things, but, you know, installing them in meetings and getting them on the field and repped is, is, you know, there's two different things. And so we've got to, we've got to make sure that, uh, you know, we, you know, we, we don't give them too much. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be smart and, you know, with your game plans and not uh, overload them. But, uh, you know, I think that we've, uh, you know, done as good a job as we can to this point. Fall camp will be a little different. Typically fall camp, you get the guys, uh, you know, from, early in the morning till late at night. This is not going to be that way. It's going to be 20 hours a week, most likely. I don't think they finalized that exactly yet, but but uh, with with school and other things going on, you know, typically when you got fall camp, there's nothing but fall camp going on. But right now we got, we're in school. And so it's going to be more of a, a glorified in-season routine where we practice in the afternoon, practice and meet in the afternoons and, and really only have them from about 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. 
whereas in fall camp it's a it's a uh, you know you completely uh, the whole day is completely dedicated to football meetings, lifting and all that type of stuff. So it'll be, it'll be abbreviated, but the time that we've had leading in is more extensive than what we would have had in a, in a traditional fall camp. Cause in the summertime, you only have two hours of meeting time with them and the six hours, you know, you get eight hours a week in the summer leading into fall camp, six of those hours dedicated to uh, lifting and conditioning, two of those hours dedicated to meetings. And so we've far exceeded that now. So we're way ahead, uh, at least mentally, from uh, right now going into this uh, fall camp is what we'll call it, even though it's not truly a fall camp, than we would have been uh, for a typical summer going into a typical fall camp. So it's been give and take a little bit. Uh, the Pac-12 obviously decided to move in lockstep with everybody starting uh, the weekend of November 6th. But there had been some talk of, you know, some programs wanted to start earlier, potentially on Halloween. Had you had you wanted to start on on Halloween, if not earlier, if you had been able to? Sooner the better for us, because we, like I said, we've had a, a good dose of, of football, uh, although not contact, as I've said several times now. But but uh, we we feel like we're we were on track and in a good enough place that we could have certainly started the 31st. But uh, you know, I know there are some schools that were lobbying for for the 14th, uh, and so I think they hit that happy medium with the, with the seventh and, you know, a team, maybe two teams will start on Friday night, the sixth, probably just one game, uh, two teams, uh, one ball game on the sixth, and then the rest of us will start on the seventh. But, but yeah, to answer your question, we would have been uh, thrilled to be able to play uh, a week sooner than that. We could probably even play two weeks sooner than that, but, but uh, not everybody was in that same boat. I'm wondering from your standpoint, how has everything that's transpired so far in 2020 changed the way your job Title, what your job title is and, and how you've managed to go with the flow and you know football coaches are creatures of habit they like things the way they are um, I'm wondering how you've managed to get through the day-to-day week-to-week month-to-month so far yeah it's been very challenging because it's all uncharted territory we've never been through anything like this uh, not even remotely and so it's been challenging uh, you know how you structure your the time that you're allotted and what you do with that time. And then, uh, and not only football, recruiting. Recruiting is so much different. I mean, typically we'd be immersed in uh, unofficial visits and official visits and going out and, and uh, you know, getting on the road a little bit. I mean, there's, there's so much has changed in that world as well. And uh, so, you know, we've had to adapt and adjust just like everybody else. The vast majority of recruiting is, is on Zoom now and, and uh, phone calls because, Obviously, there can be no face-to-face contact, and so it's not just the football aspect of it, but the foot, but the recruiting was was a big uh, departure from the norm, and that's going to be the case uh, right now. It's shut down all the way till January one, and then it'll be determined at that point whether or not uh, we can open it back up. But but uh, and I feel real bad for the you know the recruits, the seniors. A lot of these guys didn't have a chance and won't will not have a chance to visit any campuses, and they have to make their decision based on, you know, a Zoom tour and and uh, haven't had a chance to have coaches get in front of them face-to-face. And so it's really unfortunate for, for this class coming up that uh, they're going to have to make these decisions on, because it's probably the most important decisions in their lives to this point in time for, for most of them is where they're going to attend college and go to, and play football and to be able to, or to have to do that without setting foot on the campus that they're going to attend or, or meeting a coach uh, face-to-face and, you know that's uh, that's that's something that uh, you know is is unfortunate, but but anyway, things are the way they are, and so we just proceed and, and make the best of it. Seven game schedule, um, six essentially to determine who's going to play in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, what do you think of that? Or as you always like to say, just it is what it is. <laughs> I hate it is what it is. You know that, but but uh, it's uh, there's no first of all there's no room for. Uh, with the late start, the later start, uh, there's no room for any flexibility where if a game gets canceled, I, there's no way to make it up. And so it, that's best case scenario is that we're going to get six games plus a seventh, um, you know, including the championship and, and everyone that doesn't play in a championship will play that, you know, that following day. I think it's the 19th. So I think the 18th is the championship and the, the seventh game for everybody else will be on the 19th. But, uh, you know, it's... Uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. We'll be elated if we get all seven games in. I think that will be 
fantastic. I mean, I don't know if that's uh, realistic, you know, with the way things are and, and they're in the process right now, my understanding is of, of drafting the, the guidelines of what you need uh, to be able to play a game, you know, X amount of offensive linemen, X amount of quarterbacks available and so forth. Otherwise the game needs to be, uh, you know, just canceled. And so uh, if we're, if, if the entire league is able to get all the games in, that will be phenomenal, but uh, we'll have to see what happens. But, but uh, you know, it's, it's better than not playing. I can tell you that it's better than doing nothing at all. Yeah, Kyle, it's been a while since we've we've last talked, and the roster has obviously changed online of what we're able to see. And I've noticed that there's been some guys changing positions a little bit, and that there's some guys that are that are not on the roster right now. Has there been some movement as far as guys leaving the team, transferring, and also changing positions? Uh, nobody. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, moving to different positions. Where Taniella Pututau was scheduled to be a defender. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, he's been taking some reps at tight end just to see how he looks over there. Um, you know, we've got some guys that that are working through some situations on the roster that that uh, are not with us currently, but uh, hope to rejoin us. And I'm not going to go into names or who those guys are, but but just working through some personal situations. Um, but as far as anybody out and out transferring or out and out leaving the program uh, or other than Taniella making a, a position change, no one comes to uh, no one comes to mind right now. Kyle, we've been talking with Mark Harlan. He's talked about the fact that furloughs are ongoing with the athletic department, but it will change once the schedule is announced by the Pac-12 for you guys. How have the furloughs affected your program so far, and do you expect them to continue to affect you throughout the season? Uh, so far, very minimal effect. We structured the schedule to uh, account for those once we knew those were going to be uh, in play. Uh, now we do have to modify a little bit, you know, now that the season's going to be upon us and, uh, you know, coaches don't have any days off. There is no days off. And so we'll have to, to, uh, you know, move those furlough dates to, to sometime in December. But, but, uh, we, we've been able to manage with really no disruption and, uh, you know, here in football, at least speaking for us, you know, we're happy to do our part and, uh, you know, it's a big, big deficit that uh, that we're looking at. And, and so we're going to do what we can do to to uh, help the cause. And there's been no no complaints, no ill feelings, no uh, nothing negative coming out of it. I mean, it's just something that we uh, need to do and, and uh, need to do to help the program and the department. So I'm tempted to ask you with no fans, will you take on the role of the crazy lady? But I won't. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you, you spoke of how you're, further along mentally how about with all the lifting and running are you further along physically yes we are that, that's a good point I, I didn't I didn't mention that and we've been in the weight room uh, you know just just uh, making exceptional gains in there and you know we test our guys through every cycle we have you know five six seven week cycles depending on what the strength coach has set up and I think it was uh, 90 percent plus of our guys uh, hit PRs uh, in the lifts that we tested, which you know, personal best, personal records, in the uh, in the lifts that were tested. And so we have made significant gains in the weight room. And that's been, you know, if there is positives to come out of this, it's that we've had the opportunity that we've never had before to put two lifting cycles together, the summer cycle, and then carry right into the fall, and just continue to build on that. Where typically we would have gone into an in-season maintenance type routine, we've been able to continue to make gains because of the extra time that we've had to uh, spend in the weight room. Good point. There you go. That was head coach Kyle Whittingham. After Coach Witt did his interview with the media, we then turned our attention to Devin Lloyd, a guy who's going to have a tremendous season as one of Utah's star linebackers. He's also probably going to be a captain once they name those because he's been a leader off the field as well and has really shined in those big moments and had a breakout year last year and I think he's going to have an even better year in 2020. So here's Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd. Hey Devin, obviously this summer there is a lot of uh, a lot of things going on, not just related to COVID, but with protests and other things that way. Uh, can you can you speak to kind of a little how, uh, you know, your team has has obviously been um, vocal about, you know, ending racism or, or just being able to make sure that there's equality? What, what has done for you and, and kind of speak personally to that? Um, well, I think first off, uh, my team and myself have just 
tried to use our platform, try to use our voices for uh, the better, uh, the better good. You know, we want to get out and basically speak on how we feel, you know, um, whether it has to do with uh, equality, racism, um, you know, domestic or uh, sorry, uh, police brutality, like just anything. Um, we feel that now is the time just for our voices to be heard as student athletes and use our platform um, for, for what is right. You know, that was the biggest thing. So um, we actually got together um, as a group and uh, really it was a, a mutual thing, mutual thing between all the guys on the team. But um, we just wanted to get out um, and, you know, make a stand. So we actually um, planned a march at the state capitol. Um, and that was just um, just a way to get out there and, you know, um, opposed to just tweeting on social media and doing things online, we wanted to take action um, and actually um, take a stand. So uh, that was our way of uh, just exercising, you know, our voices and um, trying to do what's right, just trying to do the right thing, you know, as a student athlete. Okay, we'll go with Steve Bartle from Utah, followed by Trevor Allen, KSL. Hey, Devin, uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on finding out that you're going to be playing football last week, what was it like for you and, and for the rest of your teammates to find out that you were going to have a fall 2020 season? Yeah. I mean, it was obviously exciting, you know, um, all the uncertainty within the last few months has just been, uh, it's just, you know, gotten everybody really anxious, you know, to get, get out and play, um, just get out and just do what we love to do. You know, I mean, everyone is, you know, here because we love the game of football and we want to play the game of football. So obviously, you know, everyone was ecstatic uh, when we found out that we were going to be able to play um, only seven games, you know, some other conferences got 10 games, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, it's seven more than, you know, I mean, seven is better than nothing. So, you know, we're uh, blessed for that opportunity and we're just all excited and looking forward to those games. Devin, I just wanted to know what went into you deciding to change your number from 20 to zero. Um, I kind of just wanted to switch it up. It was uh, no specific reason, but uh, I knew uh, at the end of last season, I kind of wanted to get away from 20. Nothing wrong with the number. I just uh, just wanted to switch it up and, you know, get get a you know new feel, you know, feel like a, kind of a new player. So you can look at it that way, you know. Um, yeah. Hey, Devin, um, it's been a long time since you guys have been in pads and, and, and going full contact. Um, now that you're getting ready to do that again, you know, are you guys all concerned about, you know, doing that again for the first time with the full pads and the hitting and just the physicality that comes with the sport? Of course not. We play football because we love that. That's the game. Of the, that's a part of the game that, you know, that's why we play football. So like I said earlier, it's more um, just anxious. You know, we're just ready to get out and, uh, you know, getting those pads and, you know, get them popping and get ready to, uh, you know, play. You know, I mean, that's why we play, you know, because we love the game and we love the physicality. So uh, more anxious than, you know, nervous. Yeah, Devin, uh, you know, most college teams have had a problem with COVID cases this summer. And I just wondered uh, how much of an issue it's been for you guys to uh, and your teammates to try to avoid that. And what concerns do you have with that going forward? Well, um, I would say that we probably... Uh, well, for sure, probably I think we've done the best uh, at that in the pack and probably in the nation. Uh, it starts with our staff. Um, I think all of our athletic uh, personnel have done a great job with um, complying to all the rules and enforcing them. And then um, uh, it's just a testament to the team on how well they've just taken everything seriously, um, wearing our masks everywhere, keeping our hands sanitized, doing the test, just doing everything that you're supposed to do the right way. Um, I think, you know, everyone in the building has done a great job, and that's why we haven't really had an outbreak at all. And um, cases have been very minimal. You know, quarantines have been very minimal. I think we've handled it about as good as you, uh, you could handle it. And, uh, that's just a testament to everybody within the building. Hey, Devin, uh, you guys lost a lot of players to the NFL on that defensive side of the ball from last year, and you're like you're one of the leaders now. You were a first-time starter last year now. You're definitely one of the leaders on this defense. How do you think this young defense is going to uh, pick up the slack, and can you maintain that level that you had the last few years? Yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, we lost a lot of players um, because we have great coaches. Um, we have 
players that buy in and we have great coaches. And I mean, for us, it's not uh, a matter of losing guys. It's just a matter of reloading. Um, we have a lot of talent um, in the secondary. We, we have a lot of guys who have played in the uh, front seven. Um, you know, we, we have guys all over who have playing experience. And um, yes, we only have two returning starters from last year, but at the same time, we got a, a lot of talent, a lot of guys who are hungry. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't see why we couldn't do exactly what we did last year, except finish it this time. But I think we have the, the guys, we have the coaches. Um, it's just all about executing at the end of the day, because there was questions about, you know, us last year, uh, even just me and Francis as backers, you know, I mean, it's all, it all comes down to you have to prove it in season, you know, I mean, you can speculate all off season, you can, uh, you know, be nervous all off season, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, you have to prove uh, your worth and, you know, I mean, that's what we plan to do fully. So I have complete confidence in the guys coming in and stepping up in those roles. And uh, you know, like I said, we're just anxious to get out there. Hey, Devin, I was hoping you get a little more specific. Uh, with only two returning starters on defense, what have you done in the offseason to, during this crazy offseason, to try to bring these guys up to speed so that maybe when camp starts, you're not, it's not like the start of spring ball. Do you feel like there's some progress that was made? And did you guys do some things to make up for that lost ground a little bit? Yeah, there was definitely significant uh, progress. And you'll see on my field. One of the things that we're going to use to our strength this year is, um, first of all, mental toughness, but um, our, our smartness. You know, I mean, I think this defense is going to be extremely cerebral on the field this year um, because of the inability to get on the field and, you know, work um, technical things, uh, work technique and um, fundamentals. We've been in the film room. So every position you'll see um, in the secondary front line, front seven, you know, it's uh, just guys have gotten in the film room. Um, tremendously, you know, I mean, they've done hours and hours and hours of film and then um, just making up for lost time. As Coach Witt mentioned earlier, um, we're getting stronger. We're, we're a lot stronger. You know, 90% of the guys hit PRs, um, you know, so we're, we're stronger, we're smarter. Um, and, you know, that is going to hopefully uh, be our edge in terms of uh, lack of experience. So that's uh, what we mainly focused on this offseason. Devin, with all of the uncertainty, you know, we've seen uh, a pretty good amount of guys across the country opt out in favor of maybe preparing for the NFL draft. During all the uncertainty, spring, summer, did you ever consider opting out? No, I'm a, uh, I'm a football player. You know, I love the game. I have no reason to opt out. Um, this is what I love to do, and I want to be there for my teams when we uh, lift up that uh, Pac-12 championship trophy. So I had no plans on opting out or leaving at all. Devin, I just wanted to get your thoughts. When, when you heard that you guys were going to be playing a seven-game schedule, I know that as a player you want to play as many games as possible, but were you pleased with, with having a seven-game schedule as opposed to not having any games at all? Yeah, I mean, like I said, um, you know, seven is better than nothing. And so I'd much rather be playing seven and contending for a Pac-12 championship and a national championship than, you know, sitting at home and waiting until next year. So, like I said, I'm blessed that um, we have the opportunity to play those games and we're going to take full advantage of them. Evan, obviously, is one of the most experienced players on the defensive side of the ball. What what does that do for you as as maybe a leader on that side to be able to help make sure that you can not lose a step from last year, obviously with the strength and the, the smartness that you've talked about, like where, where can you go as a leader from there? Yeah. Um, I just think the experience helps me relay the um, message, I guess you would say to other players, you know, in certain situations, just um, helping guys understand how to handle certain situations in the game, um, letting them understand that, you know, even though you may not have played, you know, college football, you've been playing football your whole life, you know, just uh, giving them that, that connection, knowing that uh, I have played and I know what it's like and um, just relaying any questions that they may have or concerns they may have um, to them and, you know, just uh, just, re just relaying that to them and you know, consoling them, I guess. There you go. That was Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd. Now another guy who had a tremendous season in 2019 on the offensive side of the ball, he did everything. He was an athletic freak of a tight end. He wasn't built like a tight end, but played the position anyway. Can block, can run the ball, 
can catch the ball, is quick. He's just an absolute dynamic weapon for Utah's offense, and it fits well in Andy Ludwig's system. And that's Brant Keithy. Here's his conversation with the media on Thursday. Brant, what was your initial thoughts You know, a week ago when they announced that you guys were going to have a season? I know it's been a bit of a whirlwind over the last couple of weeks, but now that you know you guys are going to be having a season, what initially came to mind? It was a great feeling just knowing that we could just get some games in just for experience, and this year doesn't even count. So um, I think it's more of just getting guys experience. And um, it was a great feeling that since we didn't have any games, just us just being here, not really doing much, didn't really give us much uh, motivation. But once they announced the seven games, I think a lot of us guys that um, kind of felt down got our energy back up and we're ready to go. Hey, Brant, um, you've had a chance to, to work with uh, with your teammates on a limited basis there for a few weeks. Uh, can you just kind of give us uh, an analysis of how, how the quarterbacks look? Because you're kind of, you know, developing new chemistry with these guys. Obviously, you had Cam uh, in practice last year, um, but but how have those guys looked? They look great. Um, Jake's move in. Best I've seen him move, and uh, Cam's just doing well. Uh, it's just going to be a battle for who starts at the end of the day, but um, I think it's going to be a good thing. You obviously did a lot of things as a tight end last year that, that Utah hasn't seen for some time. You've got some athleticism and you can do it, you know, what you need to do on the line. But where, where do you want to take that that position next year, especially as, you know, you have a new quarterback and you can kind of maybe do some different things that you haven't done? Yeah, uh, overall, I just want to just get better in a lot of aspects blocking wise, because last year at the beginning of the season, I didn't start off well, but I finished pretty strong. But uh, just improve blocking and just my overall mechanics, just route running and catching the ball because I had a few drops last year. But um, I just want to just give them the offense a little bit more and just try and see what I can do there. Brent, how do you expect this year's offense to be different from last year's? Uh, I don't really expect to be much different. Um, I mean, we don't have Zach, but we still have a lot of good running backs. So I don't think it's, it's going to be much different. We still have the same scheme. Um, still have a lot of guys coming back. So I, I just don't really expect it to change much. Kind of along the same lines, can you just talk about the fact that you guys are getting a new quarterback, a new starting running back, new left tackle? A lot's been made about the defense having some holes, but you got some pretty significant position groups that need to be filled. And can you talk about that and then talk about, did you ever fear that Jake Bentley, if this had extended on with the virus and that, would have opted to maybe not play this year? Uh, no, I don't think so. Just a guy like him, he's a competitor, so I don't think he was – even thinking about opting out. And uh, as far as the tackling, our running backs, our running backs have a lot of good amount of experience, but um, I just don't expect them to be really delayed. They're, they're really good, and, and anybody that's coming in at tackle is going to be great. So I just don't expect to be much of a challenge. It's just trying to get some of the guys that don't have much experience, more experience. And do you think you made up for a lot of those lost grounds during this uh, weird time? Uh, somewhat, we just haven't got to hit really much, but I think getting in the film room really helped a lot of guys just get the scheme down and, uh, the guys that don't really know much of the playbook, just help them get that intact before the season starts. It really helps that. So how much film have you watched? Were you a film junkie before? Are you sick of it now? Have you gotten into it? Do you watch other college and NFL games? Cause you've seen all of your own stuff. How does that work? Since that seems, according to Kyle, that's been what you guys have spent a lot of time on. Yeah, uh, just getting in the film room as much as possible, just learning different schemes and just learning how, how we can get an advantage over somebody else and watching watching a lot of college football because uh, we haven't really been playing much. So it's great to just watch and see how, to see the different types of players and just see what they're doing and see what works and trying to implement it into my game also. Yeah, um, how hard has it been for you to to stay healthy and avoid the virus this summer and just how confident are you that your team can stay healthy and, and play a whole season coming up? Hasn't been really hard just doing what the team doctors say and trainers and just socially distance and wear a mask and just do the things we really need to do. It kind of helps that uh, class is mostly online. So we're not really having to interact with a lot of people go on campus, just really the guys around the facility and we get tested often. So there's really no chance of us getting in. And if a guy does get it, then it's maybe just like one guy. It's not much. Grant, it's such an advantage to play in front of uh, 50,000 screaming fans at Rice Eccles. You're a guy that seems like that uh, feeds off the energy of the crowd. You, can you? I mean, you've seen it on TV, but what do you think it's going to be like playing in empty stadiums? It's just going to feel like practice, honestly. Uh, 
it's going to feel weird at first not having anybody there just kind of feels like you're just scrimmaging the other team but I think once the game starts and you just get that drilling going it's not going to really make much of a difference there you go that was Utah tight end Brant Keithy you guys can check out more at kslsports.com well that'll do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner podcast but don't worry we'll have more coming up later this weekend as the schedule will be released I've heard Friday, but Kyle Whittingham also said uh, during the availability that it'll be on Saturday, so that's what we're going to point to. So make sure you guys tune in then as we'll have another podcast posted on Saturday. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Crimson Corner Podcast, and it's always powered by kslsports.com. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.